History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Jordan. Hello. Hello. Welcome to episode 28. Good old Jeffy Dahmer. Jeffy. Otherwise known as the Milwaukee Cannibal. Mm. Ew. Yep, not good. Disclaimer, don't eat when you're listening to this. Yeah, or just don't. Yeah. Don't eat. Because it is gross. I made that mistake. Earlier, while doing some of these notes. No, why would you do that? Because I was hungry. No. One out of five stars. Do not recommend eating (laughs) during. Oh, God. Yeah. So before we get into it, let's talk about some stuff. How many downloads are we at? 9,835. We can almost touch 10. Almost there. It's so close. Mm -hmm. We're going to be there in a minute. Oh, yeah. Thank you all. For listening. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you. We're really close on Instagram, too. I really mm. want to be at five. Mm. Yeah. We're at 3,800. Excuse me. 3,800. So not really close. Not super far, though, either. Mm-hmm. We're closer than we would be if we were at, like, one or two thousand. Yeah, that's true. I'm positive. Okay. So invite your friends. Share us on Insta. Mm. We need to get more people going. Yeah, show, share us, uh, send us, or tag us in your stories, like how you listen. Yeah. Are you in your car? Are in you the just, bathtub. Well, that was Taking weird. a soak. Weird. <laughs> weird place to go. Or, or you could be sleeping, getting ready to go to bed. Or That's just, my favorite time to listen to horrible things. Bedtime? Yeah. Hmm. It's like a lullaby. Uh, Sweet little terrible lullaby. I guess. Just puts or just right like, out. you know, at the office. Or at the office. Just normal places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, driving to the office. Yeah. Lunchtime. Mm, at the gym. At the gym. Mm. Yeah. So tag us away. Let, yeah. Let, me, let us know how you listen. Yeesh. We're in the middle. Well, we're, we just ended another sticker giveaway. We'll announce the winner soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then whenever we hit 10,000, we will be doing another t-shirt giveaway. Yes. So that'll be just right around the corner. Yeah. It's all on you guys. So bring a buddy or tell a friend mm. to listen to us. Listen. So we can get that 10K. Tell everybody you know. Everybody. Everybody. Why don't you tell them about the Patreon tiers? So the Patreon tiers, we have two tiers. Um, the $5 tier, which is tier two, will get you episodes a week early, a 20% discount code to the store, and an extra episode every single Friday. Yeah. Yeah, what a so, deal. So, like, this Friday, so we're doing Jeffrey Dahmer, and then Friday we're doing Jeffrey Dahmer quotes and, like, what people thought about him. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, a little extra, if you want more, you can get it. Yeah, it's right there. Just it's $5 right there. away. $5. And then we have another tier that is $2, and that gets you episodes a week early and a 10% discount code to the store. Right. Still a good deal. Still a good deal, yeah. Any way to slice it. Yeah. It's a good deal. And that's patreon.com slash mysteryhistorypodcast. Or you could go to our website, mysteryhistorypodcast.com. There's a link to the Patreon there along with some of our merch. Mm-hmm. We got some stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Um, sweatshirts 
for the people who is going into the cold season. Somebody texted or messaged us on Facebook and says she it's still hot where she lives. I said, well, we got tanks too. Yeah, we got everything. We what, wherever you your demographic geographical location. Nice, saved it. We got you. Saved it. Okay. Um, I do want to give out two shout outs this time to Botox with Big Jim podcast. They're really supportive of us. We like to chat with those guys. They do a lot of like true crime, pop culture, history, and they have special guests on there, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, One of their episodes, they got a what's her name or his name, excuse me, um, from the Tiger King. Oh, I forget. I forget too. The guy whose arm got bit off. You'll know. Yeah. So it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't really dove into interviewing yet. No, yeah, that'll be. Or with like famous people. Or just anyone. Anyone. <laughs> <laughs> going right to famous people. So, uh, yeah, I like to think big. So so go listen. Um, you can listen on pretty much any platform. Yep. But you can find them on Instagram at Botox with Big Jim Podcast. And then um, the person who won, or the group who won our last t-shirt giveaway, Ben, he is with Central Utah Paranormal. So I just wanted to give them a little shout out. They do uh, investigations on homes, cemeteries, and haunted locations. Mm-hmm. So their Instagram's really cool. Yeah, it is. So you go check them out at central.utah.paranormal. Mm-hmm. So give them some lovin's. You ready to buckle up? Yeah, it's about to get serious. <sighs> Let's just all take a big old deep breath in. And let it. it out. Yeah, it's gonna get wild. It's gross. It's gross. It's gross. It's all gross. Okay. Nothing's good. Nothing's good about this. Not a one thing. Yeah. So let's start us off. Okay. Jeffrey Dahmer. So Jeffrey Dahmer was an American killer and sex offender who committed the murder and dismemberment of 17 men and boys from 1978 to 1991. He dabbled in necrophilia and cannibalism. We're already getting off to a great start. I don't like the word dabbled there. I feel like dabbled's like fun stuff. Like I dabble in... Uh, so I do these notes. Creative writing. I dabble in... Uh, you enjoy the words I put down on paper. He dabbled. He dabbled in a little bit of this and a little like, bit of that. He's a murderer. Good. He's a murderer. And he also dabbled. He dabbled. Ugh. And having sex and eating people. Yeah, nice. With dead Dead folk. bodies, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's a fun weekend activity. Yeah. Um, on May 21st, 1960, Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer was born at... Evangelical Deaconess Hospital in Milwaukee. He was the first of two sons to Joyce Annette, who was a teletype machine instructor, and Lionel Herbert Dahmer, who was a Marquette University chemistry student. Some say that she suffered some partial paralysis during the pregnancy at the doctors, or and the doctors weren't able to find any reason. Um, they gave her injections of barbiturates and morphine to relax her. As Dahmer was a child, his mother was known to be tense, greedy, and for attention, um, and Greedy for attention and pity, sorry, and argumentative with her husband and the neighbors. Yeah. So she sounds like a bundle of joy. Yeah, she's hot mess express. Yeah. Um, Dahmer was an energetic and happy kid, uh, but his mood changed after he had a double hernia surgery before his fourth fourth birthday. That does not sound fun. Double hernia. Yeah, I don't even know how you could do that when you're little. And how do you stop a four-year-old from, like, jumping around? Like, I'm sure he had to be still after his surgery (laughs) so he didn't rip anything. That'd just be 
crazy. Um, so he said that there was an extreme tension and arguments between his parents. Right after his fourth birthday, Dahmer witnessed his father removing animal bones from beneath the family home. Lionel said that Dahmer was oddly thrilled by the sound that the bones made and became preoccupied with animal bones. He occasionally searched beneath and around the family home for additional bones and explored the bodies of live animals to discover where their bones were located. This is where his fascination began. That's how it always does. So can you just imagine, like, walking your dog and this kid runs up to you and is like, let me just touch your animal and see where the bones are located. <laughs> um, you don't go on that route again, folks. Yeah, you get away from my dog. Yeah. So I'm going to look at this dog. No. <laughs> look away. When Dahmer was in first grade, Joyce spent a lot of time in bed recovering from weakness. Um, Lionel was still studying at Marquette University, so it kept him away from home a lot. Joyce was a severe hypochondriac who suffered from depression and won constant attention. It even caused her to attempt suicide with Equinol. Yeah. Um, no one was really paying much attention to Jeffrey. Dahmer was noted as being quiet and a timid child, and one teacher sensed he was being neglected because of his mother's illness. Dahmer did have a small number of friends in grade school. That's a surprise. Yeah. I mean, at least he had somebody to talk to. Yeah. Dahmer started collecting large insects such as dragonflies and butterflies in jarge, 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 and jars at an early age. age. Wow. Words are tough. Later, he picked up dead animals off the road, usually with one or more friends. He would dismember them either at home or in the forest near his home. According to his friends, Dahmer dismembered these animals and stored the parts in jars in the family tool shed, saying he was curious how animals fitted together. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to hear the word dismember. I never thought I'd say it so much. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a lot. Buckle up. Yep. Dahmer decapitated the carcass of a dog and nailed the body to a tree. Ooh. He impaled the skull on a stake beside a wooden cross in the woods near his house. Little Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, that's not good. Tribute. Uh, in October 1966, the family moved to Doylestown, Ohio, which is near Akron. And Akron from us is about three-ish hours. Yeah. Joyce gave birth in December to a baby boy, and Jeffrey was allowed to choose the name of his brother. Hmm. Jeff chose the name David, which isn't that weird of a name. No. If you had let a child pick it, so that good for you, Jeffrey. <laughs> uh that same year, Lionel graduated with his degree and started to work as an analytical chemist near Akron. Sounds real fancy. Mm. In 1968, the family moved to Bath Township, Ohio. In 1970, during a family meal where they were having chicken, Dahmer asked Lionel what would happen if chicken bones were bleached. Lionel showed Dahmer how to safely bleach and preserve animal bones. Dahmer incorporated these techniques into his bone collecting. So Lionel didn't think it was... He'd... That's a weird question for a kid to ask. It is. But he was happy that he was interested in something. Yeah. And some people, I mean, like morticians, <clears throat> and, and that's weird. Yeah, but it's not that... I think the bones part's not weird, but, like, the getting the bones is weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, just having bones to, like, studying those isn't that strange. Yeah, you're like but a like, paleontologist. Yeah, but, like, the killing of the thing to get the bones is, like, yeah. That's, There's a very fine line the there. Yeah. Like, how'd you get these bones? Don't worry about that part. Right. <laughs> if it was already dead, you're okay. Yeah. But if you killed it, that That's means a, there's a problem. There's a law coming for you. Yeah. Um, Dahmer began drinking beer and hard alcohol when he was 14 and a freshman at Revere High School. Even though he was seen as an outcast by his classmates, the staff thought he was polite and highly intelligent, but only got average grades. He was a good tennis player and was in the high school band. 
So he's not totally like a loner. No, he seems pretty normal, really. Mm-hmm. When Dahmer reached puberty, he discovered he was gay. He did not tell his parents, though. In his early teens, he had a brief relationship with another teenage boy, but they never had sex. Dahmer started fantasizing about dominating and controlling a completely submissive male partner. The fantasies became partnered with the need to dissect things. When Dahmer was 16, he thought of a fantasy to knock a male jogger out that he thought was cute so he could have sex with him. One day, Dahmer actually hid in the bushes with a baseball bat and waited for the man, but luckily for him, that day he didn't pass by. Dahmer later said that that was his first attempt to actually attack someone. Wow, just when he was 16. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Although Dahmer was a bit of a loner, like we discussed, he was also known as a class clown. He loved to pull pranks so much that when someone actually did a prank, it was known as doing a Dahmer. Hmm. He would pretend to have seizures or have several... Cerebral palsy? Mm. Cerebral palsy. Yeah. At school and in the middle of local stores. Not super good taste to do. No. no. Yeah. Doing a Dahmer. In 1977, at age 17, Dahmer's grades started to drop, so his parents hired a private tutor for him. The same year, his parents started counseling sessions to save their marriage. Lionel discovered that Joyce had had a brief affair in September of 1977, and the two decided to divorce, telling their sons they wanted to do it peacefully. Lionel moved out of the house in early 1978. In May 1978, Dahmer graduated from high school. A few weeks before graduation, a teacher saw Dahmer sitting near the high school uh, parking lot drinking cans of beer, which is, kids do that. Kids do that. It's not super weird. A teacher told him that he was going to report this, and Dahmer said he had been having a lot of problems at home, and the school's guidance counselor was aware of them. Yeah. That spring, Joyce and David moved out of the family home to live with relatives. Dahmer had just turned 18 and remained in the family home. Dahmer's parents' divorce was finalized July 24, 1978, and Joyce was awarded custody of David and alimony payments. Yep. They pretty much just left him behind, <clears throat> which pretty, is kind of sad. That's bad timing to just turn 18, and yeah. then your parent, your family breaks up. It's like, yeah, yeah you're kind of just an afterthought. Yep. On June 18, 1978, three weeks after graduation, Dahmer picked up a hitchhiker named Stephen Hicks, who was almost 19. Dahmer brought Stephen to the house, telling him that they could drink beer together. Hicks was on his way to a rock concert at Chippewa Lake Park, but he agreed to go to Dahmer's house. They sat around for a few hours, drinking and listening to music, then Hicks wanted to leave, but Dahmer didn't want him to. So... He thought rationally and decided to pick up a 10-pound dumbbell and hit him twice in the back of the head as Hicks sat in a chair. That's, ugh, I can't even imagine. And he's all by himself, so he can do whatever he wants in this house. Jesus. When Hicks was unconscious, Dahmer strangled him to death with the bar of the dumbbell, stripped the clothes from his body, and masturbated over his corpse. The next day, Dahmer dissected Hicks's body in the basement and buried the remains in a shallow grave in the <clears throat> backyard. Several weeks later, he dug it up and cut all the flesh from the bone. He dissolved the flesh in acid and flushed the solution down the toilet. He crushed the bones with a sledgehammer and scattered them in the woods behind the house. Whoa. Shit just got real. (laughs) Very fast. Escalated very quickly. Whoa. Drinking beers to let's murder someone. Holy hell. Wow. All right. So that's where we are now. That's where we are. It's only going to go up from here. Yeah. Get ready, folks. (laughs) Uh, six weeks after the murder of Hicks, Dahmer's father uh, and his new fiance returned to the home and found Jeffrey to be living in, alone in the house. That August, Dahmer enrolled at Ohio State University to study business. 
Damier, Damier, <laughs> spent one term at OSU and didn't really get anywhere because of his alcoholism. He failed introduction to anthropology, classical civil, classical civilizations, and administrative science. Dahmer received a B minus in riflery, and his total GPA was a point four five out of four. That's not good. So yeah, not great. And a lot of kids probably, unfortunately, do <clears throat> drop out of college because of some sort of alcoholism. Yeah. Um, you know, but I never really thought about that. But probably. Yeah. Because I mean, that's the first time. Well, him, it's not so much, but the first that's the first time they're on their own. Yeah, and they, so can they just kind of. Yep. And then it's it's worse with kids that are like, they're told what to do their whole life, like mm-hmm. super closely by their parents. Yeah. Because then they get out and they're like, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, they like yeah. And I'm sure that OSU doesn't like like to showcase the fact that Jeffrey Dahmer went there. No, I didn't know that. That's pretty wild. So there you go. You heard it here, folks, first. First, folks. <laughs> you heard it here, folks, first. <laughs> and no, you probably didn't hear it here first, but well, we like we're to, telling you again. We like to think you did. Yeah. Uh, even though his father had paid for the second term of college in advance, Dahmer dropped out after just three months. In January 1979, Dahmer enlisted in the U.S. Army where he was trained as a medical specialist at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. On July 13, 1979, he was stationed in Baumholder, West Germany, where he was serving as a combat medic in the 2nd Battalion, 68th Armored Regiment, 8th Infantry Division. According to the reports at this time, Dahmer was an average to slightly above average soldier. Because hmm. that's, maybe he needed that. Structure. Yeah, yeah, just tell, be told what to do instead of just kind of. Yeah. Dahmer's alcohol abuse started getting in the way of his performance as a soldier, and in March 1981, he was deemed unsuitable for military service and was later discharged from the Army. He did receive an honorable discharge as his superiors did not believe that any problems Dahmer had in the Army would affect his civilian life. I don't really understand that because if you're an alcoholic in the military, you'll be an alcoholic as a civilian, but... yeah. There must have been more to that story. Mm-hmm. Two soldiers came forward uh, to say that they were raped by Dahmer while he was in the Army. One stated in 2010 that Dahmer had repeatedly raped him over a 17-month period while they were both stationed at Bombholder, while another believes Dahmer drugged and raped him inside an armored personnel carrier in 1979. Ugh. That's rough. Yeah, that's awful. On March 24th, 1981, Dahmer was sent to Fort Jackson, South Carolina for debriefing and was given a plane ticket to anywhere in the country country that he wanted to go. Hmm. Uh, Instead of going back to Ohio, he picked Miami Beach, Florida, because he was tired of the cold and wanted to live on his own. In Florida, Dahmer found a job at a deli and rented a room in a nearby hotel. He spent most of his pay on alcohol and was evicted from the hotel from non-payment. He spent a lot of nights on the beach and continued to work at the deli until he called his father and asked to come home to Ohio in September 1981. So six months. Yeah. Well, five months. Didn't last very long. Did not last, yeah. Dom returned to Ohio and lived with his father and stepmother. They gave him a lot of household chores to occupy his time uh, in between looking for work, but he continued to drink a lot. Two weeks after returning, he was arrested for drunk and disorderly conduct, given a $60 fine, and a 10-day suspended jail sentence. Lionel tried to stop him from drinking, but was unsuccessful. In December of 1981, Lionel sent Dahmer to live with his grandmother in West Allis, Wisconsin. 
Dahmer's grandma was the only family member who he cared about disappointing. They all hoped her influence would change him. In the beginning, Dahmer accompanied his grandma to church, helped her with chores, applied for jobs, and listened to house, the house rules. In 1982, Dahmer was hired by Milwaukee Blood Plasma Center as a phlebotomist. Dahmer was arrested for indecent exposure on August 7, 1982 at Wisconsin State Fair Park. He was caught exposing himself to a crowd of 25 women and children. He was convicted and fined $50 plus court fees. Um, Dahmer was laid off from the plasma clinic after working there for only 10 months. He would be unemployed for the next two years and lived off the money his grandma would give him. He falls fast. What a weird... It's weird because he's gay, but he's exposing himself to women. And children. Yeah, that's weird. That's very strange. It's just like out of the blue. He's like... He gets a job, and he's like, I'm going to flash all these people. Right. <laughs> so that's very strange. Well, and it's stupid, because 25 people, <clears throat> that's a lot. Yeah, somebody's going to know who you are. Yeah. But that's just very random. Mm-hmm. January 1985, Dahmer was hired as a mixer at Milwaukee Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. He worked third shift from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., six nights a week, with Saturday uh, being his day off. Shortly after he was hired at the chocolate factory, <clears throat> he was reading at West Alice Public Library when a strange man threw Dahmer a note offering him to give him a blowjob. Hmm. Dahmer did not. <laughs> I guess. I don't I didn't. I would spend a lot of time in the library and that never happened. But <laughs> Dahmer did not react to this proposition, but this stirred up his fantasies again of control and dominance. <clears throat> he began going to Milwaukee's gay bars, gay bathhouses, and bookstores. He stole a male mannequin from a store. I don't know how you do that. But yeah, that seems like that's a big thing to steal. That is. I guess if it's right by the door, you just grab it and run. Yeah. Um, and he used it to pleasure himself until his grandma found it in his closet and made him throw it out. <laughs> Good move, grandma. Yeah. She was trying. <laughs> by late, late 1985, Dahmer began to hang out at bathhouses saying they were just relaxing places. He would become frustrated, though, during sexual encounters with men when their bodies would move during the sexual act. Dahmer stated, I trained myself to view people as objects of pleasure instead of people. Yeah, so he didn't, he wanted them to be stiff. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. In June of 1986, he began giving his partners sleeping pills and their mixed drinks, and he would rape them while they were unconscious. After doing this about 12 times, the bathhouse's administration revoked Dahmer's membership. It didn't stop him, though. He started using hotel rooms to continue his habit. Shortly after this, he was kicked out of the bath. Or shortly after he was kicked out of the bathhouse, he read a newspaper article that said there was an upcoming funeral for an 18-year-old man. He thought up the idea of stealing the corpse and taking it home. He attempted to dig up the coffin from the ground, but the soil was too hard, and he left the body in its place. Thank God. Yeah. Oof. Hey. August 1986, Dahmer was arrested for masturbating in front of two 12-year-old boys at Kinnickinick River. At first, he admitted to this, but then said he was just peeing and was unaware that there were witnesses. What a cop-out. Girls can't get away with that. Like, oh, I just flashed my vajing, but I was just <laughs> yeah, peeing. They, yeah, they could. I guess. <laughs> it's not as easy to whip out. I don't think girls do that, though. I don't I've think never so heard either. of a girl do, doing that. No, me neither. Um, <clears throat> 
The charge was changed to disorderly conduct, and on March 10th, 1987, Dahmer was sentenced to one year of probation and instructed to go to counseling. On November 20th, 1987, Dahmer was still living with his grandma and Wes Alice. He went to a bar and met Stephen Toomey, who was a 25-year-old man from Ontongo, Michigan. Dahmer talked him into going to the Ambassador Hotel in Milwaukee, where Dahmer had rented a room for the night. Dahmer said he had no intention of murdering Toomey. He wanted to drug and rape him as he lay unconscious. The following morning, Dahmer... 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 Woke up to find Toomey lying beneath him on the bed with his chest crushed, and he had black and blue bruises everywhere. Blood was seeping from the corner of his mouth, and Dahmer's fists and one forearm was badly bruised. Dahmer said he had no memory of killing Toomey, and he was shocked at what had happened. Dahmer went and bought a large suitcase and stuffed Toomey's body into it and brought it back to his grandma's. This poor grandma. Yeah, that's oof. Uh, One week later, he severed the head, arms, legs, and legs from the torso. He cut the flesh from the bone and cut it into smaller pieces. He put them in plastic bags. He wrapped the bones inside a sheet and pounded them into splinters with a sledgehammer. Uh, The whole dismemberment took Dahmer two hours. He threw everything away in the trash except its head. Yeah. Two weeks following the murder, Dahmer, Dahmer kept Toomey's head in a blanket. After two weeks, he boiled the head in a mixture of Soylex, an alkali-based industrial detergent, and bleach. His goal was to keep the skull and to use it during masturbation. After the bleaching process, the skull was too brittle, and Dahmer pulverized it and threw it away. Wow. This is rough. Yeah. This one is. Yikes. This guy. This guy. After Toomey, Dahmer had a taste for killing and began to actively seek out victims. He would find victims in gay bars, bring them to his grandma's house, drug them with sleeping pills uh, before or after fooling around. Once they were unconscious, he would strangle them to death. This grandma. Yeah. Does she have a hearing problem? Probably. She had to have. Or she just didn't want to, like, think about it. She might have just left him alone. Just do your own thing. Two months after Toomey, Dahmer met a 14-year-old Native American male prostitute named James... Doc's tater. Dahmer lured him to his house where he offered him $50 to pose nude for pictures. While at the house, the two fooled around before Dahmer drugged him and strangled him on the floor of the cellar. Dahmer left the body in the cellar for one week before dismembering it the same way he had to me. He placed Doc's, Doc Tater's remains in the trash, boiled the skull, kept it for a while, then he pulverized it. Mm. On March 24, 1988, Dahmer met a 22-year-old bisexual man named Richard Guerrero outside a gay bar in Phoenix. Dahmer brought Guerrero to his grandma's house, um, telling him he would pay him $50 to spend the night with him. He drugged Guerrero with sleeping pills and strangled him with a leather strap. Once he was dead, Dahmer performed oral sex on the corpse. Ugh. Dahmer's body was dismembered within 24 hours of his murder. Guerrero. Uh, Guerrero's mar- murder, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh the same as Doc's taters. Yeah. Oof. April 23rd, Dahmer bought another man home and drugged him. Dahmer's grandma called down asking what all the ruckus was, and Dahmer made it seem like he was alone. Dahmer decided not to kill this victim. He waited until he regained consciousness and took him to the county general hospital. That's weird. So then what did the guy say when he got to the hospital? 
Maybe he didn't know. Maybe he just said he fell, or maybe Dahmer just said he fell since he was drugged. Like, he yeah. didn't remember. Ugh. That's weird. Yep. September 1988, Dahmer's grandma asked him to move out because he brought too many young men to her house late at night, and there was a bad smell coming from the basement and the garage. Ooh. You go, Grandma. Um, Dahmer found a one-bedroom apartment on North 25th Street and moved there on September 25th. The next day, he was arrested for drugging and fondling a 13-year-old boy who he talked into coming to his house to pose for nudes. In January 1989, Dahmer was convicted of a second-degree sexual assault um, and enticing a child for immoral purposes. Sentencing for the assault was suspended until May 1989. On March 20th, Dahmer commenced a 10-day Easter absence from work, and he moved back into his grandma's house. Hmm. If I was his grandma, I'd be like, "Mm mm-mm. Yeah, like, not here. Somewhere else. Two months after his conviction and two months prior to his sentencing for sexual assault, Dahmer murdered his fifth victim. Anthony Sears was a mixed-race 24-year-old aspiring model who Dahmer had met in a gay bar on March 25, 1989. According to Dahmer, that night he was not looking to commit any crimes, but before the bar closed, Sears came up and started talking to him. Dahmer brought Sears back up to his grandma's where the two performed oral sex on one another before Dahmer drugged and strangled Sears. The next morning, Dahmer placed the corpse in his grandma's bathtub before he, where he chopped off his head before attempting to flay the corpse. He stripped the body or the flesh from the body, pulverized the bones, and threw it in the trash. According to Dahmer, he found Sears very attractive and was the first victim who he had permanently retained any body parts. He kept Sears' head and genitalia in acetone uh, and kept them in his work locker. Yeah. Uh, where he, uh, when he moved to his new address, address the next year, he took the remains there. How ballsy to keep somebody's head and genitalia in your work locker. Ugh, that's, this is like, it's crazy that this is, this is like a human. Yeah. Like that he has these like thoughts. Yeah. Cause it's like, this is, uh, it's like hard to even like fathom. Mm-hmm. It's like a scary movie. It is. It's like it doesn't seem like this is real. Mm -hmm. Like it seems like you're reading fiction. On May 23rd, 1989, Dahmer was sentenced to five years probation and one year in the House of Correction with work release permission so he could keep his job. He was also required to register as a sex offender. Two months before his scheduled release from the work camp, Dahmer was paroled from his regime. His five years probation imposed in 1989 began at this point. On release, Dahmer temporarily moved back in with his grandma, and in May 1990, he moved into Oxford Apartments located on North 25th Street in Milwaukee. The neighborhood was a high-crime area, but it was really close to his work and came furnished, and it was something that he could afford because it was only $300 a month. May 14, 1990 was his official move-in date to his new apartment. Within the first week of him moving in, he had killed his sixth victim, Raymond Smith. Raymond was a 32-year-old male prostitute that Dahmer lured to his apartment on the terms of paying him $50 for sex. That must be the going rate. Yeah, that seems like not a lot. No. That's, it is strange that it keeps it just $50 keeps coming up. Dahmer laced Smith's drink with seven sleeping pills and manually strangled him. Hmm. The next day, Dahmer bought a Polaroid camera and took several pictures with Smith's body in suggestive positions before dismembering him in the bathroom. He boiled the legs, arms, and pelvis in a steel kettle with Soylex. Then he put the 
bones down the drain. Yeah. Dahmer dissolved the remainder of Smith's skeleton, including the skull in a container filled with acid. He later spray-painted Smith's skull, which he placed alongside the skull of Sears, uh, upon a black towel inside a metal filing cabinet. Yeah. I will say, though, you hear about all these people getting caught because the body's been found. That is just being able to disintegrate them to a point where you can put them down a drain. Yeah, that's insane. There would never be any evidence if he wouldn't have kept these skulls. It's really scary, too, that he's in an apartment building. He's not, like, out in the middle of the woods. He's, like, there's people all around him. Oh, yeah. And that's... I don't even know how you get, like... To have, like, a thing full of acid, it had to be, like, a barrel, like, a big barrel uh-huh, that you see. Like, gallon yeah. drum. Yeah. So, like, how do you get that into your apartment without people being like, what is that for? Probably in the middle of the night. And then how and do you... And he's used to being in close quarters with people and then yeah. just either totally dismissing what they're seeing mm-hmm. or he's really that good that they have no idea. Yeah. To even, like, bring up all the acid, like, they have to be marked that it's acid. Yeah. And that's for fill up a 55-gallon drum. That's, oof, that's so that's much shit. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, but no, he's he's shown that he's pretty good with living amongst these people. And, and that probably gets rid of, like, the smell. Because, uh-huh. like, in the, well, who was it? The John Wayne Gacy one. That's yeah. what everybody said it was, like, the smell thing. Yeah. So it's like, that would handle that, too. It's sick to think about, but it's like, ugh. Yeah. It's pretty wild that he was doing that all around people. So one week after the murder of Smith on May 27th, Dahmer brought another young man to his apartment for a drink. However, Dahmer accidentally drank the one that was laced with sleeping pills. Mm-mm-mm. That's that's a rookie mistake. <laughs> uh, he woke up the following day and discovered his victim stole several items of clothes, $300 and a watch. <laughs> Dahmer never reported this, of course. Uh, but on May 29th, he told his probation officer that he had been robbed. <laughs> that is like... That's not enough, but it's a little bit of karma. A little bit, yeah. You Just that a coming. touch. Just a touch. In June 1990, Dahmer brought a 27-year-old acquaintance, Edward Smith, to his apartment. He drugged and strangled Smith. On this occasion, he placed Smith's skeletons in the freezer for several months, hoping it would, it would not retain moisture. Freezing the skeleton did not remove moisture, and the skeleton of Smith would be uh, acidified mm-hmm. uh, several months later. Dahmer accidentally destroyed the skull when he placed it into the oven to dry, a process that caused the skull to explode. Dahmer told the police that he later felt rotten about Smith's murder because he hadn't been able to retain any of his body parts. Yeah. So basically it was like a waste to him. Yeah, because cause he couldn't complete the process. That's so great. He's like collecting parts mm-hmm. of all these. Ugh. Three months later, Dahmer met 22, 22-year-old Chicago native Ernest Miller on the corner of North 27th Street. Miller agreed to come back to Dahmer's apartment for $50 again and agreed uh, to allow him to listen to his heart in his stomach. That's a, what a strange request. Mm-hmm. If you just met a stranger, like, let me listen to your heart for 50 bucks. Like, uh, no. fucking nope. That's a no. Yeah, that's a big old no for me. Uh, when Dahmer attempted to perform oral sex on Miller, he told him it would cost extra. Where Dahmer gave, oh, this is where Dahmer gave him a drink laced with two sleeping pills. On this occasion, Dahmer only had two sleeping pills left to give his victim, so he killed Miller by slashing his carotid artery with the same knife he used to dissect his victims. Miller bled to death in minutes. Dahmer posed the nude uh, body for various suggestive Polaroid photos before placing the body in the bathtub for dismemberment. 
Dahmer kissed and talked to the severed head while he dismembered the remainder of the body. What the fuck? And if you slice open somebody's carotid artery, that's so much blood. Yeah, I feel like that's going like, that would like shoot across the room. Yeah, it would go everywhere. What kind, I mean, I don't feel like he's the cleanest person in the world. So. This is like. What? Sickening to, to, I just still like, this is, it's. Insane to believe these are like actual people. Yeah. Ugh. This is awful. So Dahmer wrapped Miller's heart, biceps, and portions of his flesh from the leg from his legs in plastic bags and placed them in the fridge to eat later. He boiled the remaining flesh and organs into a jelly-like substance using Soilex, which gave him the ability to rinse the flesh off the skeleton, which he intended to keep. To preserve the skeleton, Dahmer placed the bones in a light bleach solution for 24 hours before allowing them to dry on a cloth for one week. The severed head was initially placed in the refrigerator before being stripped of flesh, then painted and coated with enamel. Three weeks after the murder of Miller on September 24th, Dahmer encountered a 22-year-old man named David Thomas at the Grand Avenue Mall and talked him into coming back to his apartment for a few drinks with additional money on offer if he would pose for pictures. If anybody asks you on the street to pose for pictures, you say no. Yeah, every time. Every time, no. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. Absolutely never. After Dahmer was arrested, he stated, wait, yeah. After Dahmer was arrested, he stated that after giving Thomas a drink laced with sedatives, he did not feel attracted to him, but he was afraid to allow him to wake up in case he'd be angry. Um, so he strangled him and dismembered the body, keeping no parts of him. It was another waste. Oof. He photographed the dismemberment process and kept these pictures, which later aided <clears throat> in Thomas's identification. Do they like not have police in Milwaukee? Because all these people are... 20-year-old gay men who all hang out in gay Right bars. around, I mean. Yeah, it has to be, like, not far from his. vicinity. Yeah, he's picking these people up on the street. You would think that there would be, like, a serial killer, you know, like. Yeah, like, people. Notified yeah, that exactly. there's somebody on the loose. Don't let anybody give you $50 to do nothing. Yeah, it's like, you'd think there would be I think, something. I think a lot of these people, because of the time, because they were gay, Probably were as disowned, maybe, from their families. Yeah. And they were on the run or just not, you know, kind of yeah. skirting by. You'd think somebody would notice they're missing, though. Yeah, you'd think so. And that's sad yeah. that some of them weren't. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Following the murder of Thomas, Dahmer did not kill anyone for almost five months. But it wasn't for lack of trying. He tried. Um, to lure a minimum of five men to his apartment between October 1990 and February 1991, but none of them came. He complained of feeling anxiety and depression to his probationary officer throughout 1990 and blamed it on his sexuality, solitary lifestyle, and financial difficulties. He also complained he had suicidal thoughts. Hmm. This might be the only time I would condone, condone suicide. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and, yeah, just... Just take care of it. If you're it. murdering people to, yeah. for your own benefit, yeah, go ahead and just do it to yourself. Yep. In February 1991, Dahmer saw 17-year-old Curtis Strotter standing at a bus stop near Marquette University. Dahmer brought Strotter back to his apartment saying he would give him money for posing for nude photos with the possibility of sex. Dahmer drugged and strangled him with a leather strap and dismembered him. 
He kept Strader's skull, hands, and genitals and photographed each stage of the dismemberment process. Less than two months later, on April 7th, uh, Dahmer met 19-year-old Errol Lindsay when he was walking to get a key made. Lindsay was heterosexual, but Dahmer brought him back to his apartment anyway, drugged him, drilled a hole in his skull, and poured hydrofluoric acid into it. According to Dami, Dami, Dahmer, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Lindsay woke up after the experiment saying, I have a headache, what time is it? In response, Dahmer drugged Lindsay, then strangled him. He cut off Lindsay's head and kept the skull. Then he flayed Lindsay's body, placing skin in a solution of cold water and salt for several weeks in the hope of permanently keeping it. When the skin was, uh, he couldn't keep the skin because it was brittle and frayed. So he just threw it out. He just threw it away, yeah. By 1991, residents of Oxford Apartments began complaining to the building manager, Sopa Princewell, about an awful smell. So it didn't hide all the smells. Yo, I'm sure acid eating anything doesn't smell good. Yeah. Like, even just, like, plastic. Well, and then he, like, left some of the stuff out on <clears throat> cloth and to dry and Ugh, whatever. Yeah. So uh, from they, they said that the smell was coming from apartment 213, and there were sounds of fa- um, objects falling and occasionally sounds of a chainsaw. Yeah, I'd say that's time to talk to your building manager. Yeah. If you're hearing a chainsaw at night. Yeah. Yeah, maybe call somebody. Somebody. Police. Anybody. Anybody. Chainsaw in an apartment. That's insane. Um, <laughs> Prince Will did contact Dahmer about the complaints where he excused the odors were due to his freezer breaking and caused the items to spoil. He informed Prince Will that the reason an odor had come back later was because he had several tropical fish that had died. How long you leave tropical fish in a tank dead? What a weird detail too. tropical. Tropical. Hmm. Uh, but he said that he'd take care of it. Yeah. Um, on May 26, 1991, Dahmer met 14-year-old, uh, a 14-year-old Lao teenager, Conorak Synthesumphone. Yeah, that's Sorry, a tough that's, one. yeah. I'm probably way mispronouncing that, so I apologize. But, uh, which he met on Wisconsin Avenue. Synthesumphone. <laughs> that's that's going to be Synthesymphone. tough. Synthesumphone. Synthesumphone. Yeah. Uh, was the younger brother of a boy Dahmer had molested in 1988. Uh, he told him that he would give him money to come back to his apartment and pose for nude photos. The boy was reluctant, but changed his mind after he went with Dahmer. Uh, or he changed his mind and went with Dahmer to his apartment. He posed for two pictures in his underwear before Dahmer drugged him uh, into unconsciousness and performed oral sex on him. Uh, Dahmer. <laughs> and reading ahead, no, it's not good. Dahmer then drilled a single head into his he- his skull and injected hydrofluoric acid into his frontal lobe. Before the boy went unconscious, Dahmer led him into his bedroom, where the body of 31-year-old Tony Hughes, who Dahmer had killed three days earlier, was laid naked on the floor. According to Dahmer, he believed that the boy saw the body but did not react because of the sleeping pills. He soon lost consciousness, and Dahmer drank several beers while laying alongside him before leaving to drink a to drink a beer at a bar and buy more beer. Yeah. So he just had this body there. And so no wonder it smells because he's just got a dead guy laying there for three days Ugh. on his floor. And it said that it had started to bloat. Oh, my God. Um. Yeah. So he... So then he just left and got a beer. And he's like, yeah. I could stop for another six-pack. Yeah. 
So weird. Oh my god. I like that's the weird. Why am I? What am I saying? That's not There's the weirdest a lot part of, weird of this stuff story. Going on. <laughs> that's not <laughs> the most shocking thing I just read. But I, I really think that he hasn't really had any issues with killing people. Like things going wrong. No, which is weird. So he probably thinks that he just yeah he's not gonna it's get gonna caught. be fine. Yeah. I'll just do whatever I want and kill him later. Well, that's probably why he's starting to leave bodies on the floor too, because he's like, I'm getting away with it, so there's no point in yeah, like being quick about it. Ugh, I, my tropical fish died. What do you want? Right, Oof, man. In the early morning of May 27th, Dahmer returned home to discover that synthesophone. I'm sorry. Yeah. Was uh, sitting naked on the corner of 25th and State, talking in Lao with three women. Dahmer approached them and told the women that it that was his friend, and he attempted to lead him by the arm to his apartment. The three women told Dahmer no and said that they called 911. This is the most tragic of all of these, just so you know. It is. Yeah. So get your heart ready. Oh, no. Okay? Um... So they did. They were trying to do everything they could to make sure that Dahmer did not get this boy mm. back to his apartment. Mm-hmm. Two Milwaukee police officers, John Balsarak and Joseph Garbish, arrived, and Dahmer told him that he um, that this boy was his 19 year old boyfriend who had drank too much, and they had a fight. He frequently behaved this way when he was drunk. The three women tried to tell the officer that something wasn't right, and that the boy was bleeding from his butt. Um, and he was trying to struggle against Dahmer whenever he was trying to walk him back to his apartment. But the officer told them to butt out and shut the hell up and to not interfere that this incident was domestic. Man. So these poor women were trying to do the right <clears throat> thing and save this poor boy. It didn't seem right. Mm-hmm. And these officers just blew it off. Yep. Now, they did go, they did walk with Dahmer and Synthesophone. To his apartment. Okay. Um, he covered. They covered him with the towel. And they walked with him to the apartment. They tried to verify his claim. That him and Synthesumphone were lovers. So Dahmer showed the officers. The two pictures that he had taken the night before. Of him in his underwear. Um, the officers reported having noted a strange scent. That smelled like poop. Inside the apartment. But it was really the decomposing body. On his bedroom floor of Hughes. So they're so right there. Right there. Dahmer said that one officer poked his head around the bedroom, but really didn't look at anything, obviously. And I mean, he could have been just right on the other side of the bed laying there. The officer left asking Dahmer to take good care of of him. Oh, my God. So they left. If. Okay. Ready? Yeah. If the officers would have done a background check on Dahmer, which they usually do on every single person that they stop, Mm -hmm. I mean, nowadays, they would have seen that he was convicted child molester under probation. As the two officers left, Dahmer injected hydrochloric acid into Synthesomphone's brain, and it killed him this time. Because he already had injected him once before. Now he's got a second dose in there, and it killed him. The following day, May 28th, Dahmer took a day off work to dismember the body of Synthesophone and Hughes. He kept both victims' skulls. God, that's... That is the most tragic That makes you sick. They're right there. I bet those police officers, I hope they got in trouble. Yeah, I'm sure they did. And what a thing to be known for. Oof. 
that all this stuff could have stopped right that second. They could have saved that boy's life, and they didn't. And then saved everybody in the future, too. Yeah, and they probably thought, oh, that's too much paperwork. This is domestic. We'll just well, they, get yeah, on with unfortunately, it. Unfortunately, because the this is bad. I don't mean, like, I don't mean anything bad by this, but unfortunately, probably in the 70s or 80s, 90, was this, this was in the 90s now. 90, 91, I think. Yeah, but unfortunately, they probably didn't, these women probably spoke broken English because they're from Laos. Yeah. So they probably were like, I'm not going to deal with this. And they mm-hmm. just like kind of discredited it. Yep. Which is awful. Terrible. All but, the way around. Ugh. Terrible, terrible, terrible. They're so close. Oh, I mean, that's awful. So close. Um, on June 30th, Dahmer traveled to Chicago where he met a 20 year old named Matt Turner at a bus station. Turner accepted Dahmer's offer to travel to Milwaukee for a professional photo shoot. At the apartment, Dahmer drugged, strangled, and dismembered Turner and placed his head and internal organs in separate plastic bags in the freezer. Turner was not reported, reported missing. Five days later, on July 5th, Dahmer lured 23-year-old Jeremiah Weinberger um, from a Chicago bar to his apartment on the promise of spending the weekend with him. He drugged Weinberger and twice ejected him with boiling water through his skull, sending him into a coma, which he died two days later. This is And awful. he he's trying to do these things and put this stuff in these guys' brains because what he wants is he wants a zombie. Right. He wants somebody who's not going to leave him, who will just do whatever he wants and pretty much be a posable live dummy, right. pretty much. So um, – on July 15th, Dahmer encountered 24-year-old Oliver Lacey at the corner of 27th and Kilbourne. Lacey agreed to Dahmer's ruse of po- posing for the nude photos and accompanied him to his apartment where the pair engaged in sexual activities before Dahmer drugged Lacey. On this occasion, Dahmer intended to prolong the time he spent with Lacey when he was alive. After unsuccessfully attempting to render Lacey unconscious with chloroform, he called his work to request a day off, which they granted, but the next day he was suspended. So after he strangled Lacey, Dahmer had sex with the corpse before dismembering him. He placed Lacey's head and heart in the refrigerator and a skeleton in the freezer. Four days later, on July 19th, Dahmer received word that he was fired. After hearing this, Dahmer lured 25-year-old Joseph Brandhoff to his apartment. Brandhoff was strangled and left lying on Dahmer's bed, covered with a sheet for two days. On July 21st, Dahmer removed the sheet to find the head covered in maggots. So he decapitated the body, cleaned the head, and placed it in the refrigerator. How big is this freaking refrigerator? I know, yeah, what is It's got to be full of just people. Um, he later acidified Brandoff's torso along with those of two other victims killed within the previous month. Yikes. On July 22nd, 1991, Dahmer approached three men with an offer of $100 to accompany him to his apartment to pose for nude photographs, drink beer, and to simply keep him company. One of the trio, 32-year-old Tracy Edwards, agreed to go back with him to his apartment. Upon entering Dahmer's apartment, Edward smelled a foul odor and saw several boxes of hydrofluoric acid on the floor, which Dahmer said, wow, I keep doing that. Dahmer. Dahmer, which Dahmer said he used for cleaning bricks. After some minor conversation, Edwards responded to Dahmer's request uh, to turn his head and view his tropical fish, which Dahmer used to place a handcuff upon his wrist. When Edwards asked what, what's happening, Dahmer 
attempted to cuff his wrists together, but it didn't work. He then told Edwards to accompany him to the bedroom to pose for nude pictures. While inside the bedroom, Edward noted, uh, Edwards noted nude male posters on the wall and that a videotape of The Exorcist 2 was playing. He also, three. Exorcist 3, sorry. Um, he also noted a blue 57-gallon drum in the corner, which a strong odor emanated. Yeah. Not good. You should probably run. That's what I would do. Don't go like, further into the apartment. Yeah, that's if somebody slaps handcuffs on you, it's like, oh, just come over here. Yeah, don't go over there. And it, it is the tropical fish thing. I'm worried about these tropical fish. Yeah, are they dead? Are they, are dead? they not dead? I don't know. Who knows? These fish. That's, I'm trying to get to that point of the story, but <laughs> a lot of room in between. Dahmer then pulled out a knife and informed Edwards he intended to take nude pictures of him. In an attempt to appease Dahmer, Edwards unbuttoned his shirt, saying he would let him do so if he could remove the handcuffs and put the knife away. In response to his promise, Dahmer simply turned his attention toward the TV. Edwards observed Dahmer rocking back and forth and chanting before turning his attention back to him. So that's new and weird. He placed his head on Edwards' chest, listened to his heartbeat, and with the knife pressed against his intended victim, informed Edwards he wanted to eat his heart. Oh my god. To prevent Dahmer from attacking him, Edwards repeated that he was Dahmer's friend and that he was not going to run away. Smart. Edwards decided he was going to either jump from a window or run through the unlocked front door at the next available opportunity. So he was planning on how he was going to get out of this. When Edwards next stated he needed to use the bathroom, he asked if they could sit with a beer in the living room where there was air conditioning, and Dahmer agreed. The pair walked to the living room when Edwards exited the bathroom. Inside the living room, Edwards waited until he observed Dahmer having a momentary lapse of concentration before requesting to use the bathroom again. When Edwards rose from the couch, he noted Dahmer was not holding the handcuffs, so Edwards punched him in the face, knocking Dahmer off balance, and ran out the front door. Thank God. Wouldn't you, like... I mean, I'm sure that you have, like, a million things run through your mind. But if you were in an apartment building, wouldn't you just, like, knock on every single door? Yeah, and, like... Like, run out and just be, like, yell? Just yell. Right in the apartment building? Yeah, just scream. Yeah. I feel like, though, the knife is so close that... Yeah, but, I mean... If you got out, I would just, like, knock on every single door. Oh, assault. yeah. I think I think now that he's out the front door, he's not worried about yeah, it yeah. anymore. If I was in that situation, I would just run. Th- he said it was, like, it's not the best apartment building. You could probably just run through the wall and be in the neighbor's That's true, apartment. too. Unless you hit a brick wall and then you're fucked. I doubt it was brick. But, man, I would just, like, that would be my game plan. Full force toward, just, through the drywall? Yeah, unless you hit a stud, you're, you're going through it. Because yeah. drywall is not that hard. Even if you got through partially. Yeah, just be like, hey. Hey, help me. Help me. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's impossible to put yourself in that situation, though. It'd be oof. He was smart, though, because he knew knew that Dahmer didn't want him to leave, so he was playing on that. Yeah, he was real smart about that. At 11.30 p.m. on July 22nd, Edwards flagged down two Milwaukee police officers, uh, Robert Routh and Rolf Mueller, at the corner of North 25th Street. The officer saw Edwards had a uh, handcuff attached to his wrist. He explained to the officers that a freak had placed him in handcuff or hand, placed the handcuffs upon him and asked if the police could remove him. When the officer's handcuffs uh, keys failed to fit the brand of handcuffs, Edward agreed to accompany the officers to the apartment where Edward stated he 
had spent the previous five hours before escaping. I don't know if I'd go back. I'd be like, I'll just live with these handcuffs and I'll see you later. I'd be like, Like, you you give me a gun and I'll go back. Right. I'd be like, give me something. Give me a nightstick. Right. I wouldn't just go in there and, yeah. I need one of those riot shields. I need me a... (laughs) I'd be like, you call more cops. Yeah. Tell them, bring everybody. I'm sure that's not protocol to be like, okay, come with us back to this person who just assaulted you and we'll figure this out. Yeah, I don't know why they would, like, bring the victim there. That's very weird. Milwaukee's police department is not looking so hot. <laughs> from this, yeah, from this story, no. yeah. But, man, that is very strange. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, like, yeah. You just had something traumatic happen. Let's go back to the place that happened. Let's just check it out. Yeah, let's go back there. That's good for your brain. Yep. Um, when the police officers and Edwards arrived at the apartment, uh, at, at apartment 213, I'm sorry, Dahmer invited the trio inside and acknowledged that he had placed the handcuffs upon Edwards. Although he offered no explanation as to why he had done so, which is weird. Yeah. At this point, Edwards told the officers that Dahmer had also pulled a large knife on him, and that he had happened, uh, and this had happened in the bedroom. Dahmer said no, said nothing about this, and told Mueller that the key to the handcuffs were on his bedside dresser. As Mueller entered, entered the bedroom, Dahmer attempted to rush past Mueller to grab the key, but the second officer present, Ralph, informed him to back off. I don't feel like two officers is enough. I mean, it should be. But is it? We don't... Okay, you know he's got a knife. But you don't know if he's got guns. Yeah. All it takes... True. Is, That's true. I mean, even though you're in an apartment building at right right now at this point... I feel like you should immediately tell him to be like, sit down and you don't move. How about I handcuff you and we'll talk about this yeah. later? Well, I wouldn't just let him be standing like that close. I'd yeah. be like, you sit over there yeah. and you don't move at an inch. Mm. And then, yeah, just like... Ugh. And then, if why wouldn't... The, yeah. There's so many... Oh, man. There's so much stuff wrong with that. He should have been like, hey, there's like a barrel in the bedroom and it stinks. Right. Go check this out. And like, and there's no freaking tropical fish. And he asked me <laughs> to look at them. It's terrible. There's missing tropical fish also. <laughs> we need to find them. Are they okay? <laughs> we don't know. Are they swimming? In okay. the bedroom, Mueller noted that there was a lar- indeed a large knife beneath the bed. He also saw an open drawer which contained lots of Polaroid pictures many of which were of human bodies in various stages of dismemberment. Mueller noted that the decor indicated that they had been taken in the very apartment in which they are standing. Mueller walked into the living room to show them to his partner using the words, these are for real. Yeah. So it's, it's happening. It's happening. It's He's all done. unfolding. Yep. He's done. Stupid. He's stupid for doing this. All of it. All of it, yeah. Because he's left so much evidence for himself. Like, thankfully... That he, he did. did, yeah. But he's dumb. Yeah. He's smart enough to freaking put things down the drain and get rid of stuff, but then he's gonna leave all this other shit. Yeah, you, dumb. Yeah, you think you put him somewhere like more secure, not like just on like, a lockbox. Yeah, but this is the same guy who took a head and a genitalia to his workplace That's and put it true. in a locker. We're not working with a very high IQ here. I mean, he's I mean, just he been is. lucky. Yeah, it's, he's it's, just it's... been lucky. Ugh. Okay, here we go. Uh, when <laughs> control yourself, <laughs> this is making me angry. I know it's very, especially with the two officers that were there before, and like, yeah, they're that close. And it's so like, many people, it is very frustrating. Yeah, all right. When Dahmer saw that Mueller was holding the several Polaroids, he knew he was fucked. Oh, yeah. So he fought with the officers in an effort to resist arrest. 
The officers quickly overpowered him, cuffed his hands behind his back, and called a second squad car for backup, which should have happened before they walked in the building. Very true, very but true. Yep. Mm-hmm. we'll let it go. Mm-hmm. At this point, Mueller opened the refrigerator to reveal the freshly severed head of a black male on the bottom <sighs> shelf. As Dahmer lay pinned on the floor beneath Ralph, he re- turned his head towards the officers and muttered the words, For what I did, I should be dead. Yes, you should. Could you imagine being that officer just like going to work and everything is normal? And then yeah. this guy runs up to you with handcuffs and you're like, What's that? What are that? Why do you have handcuffs on? Right. And then you're like, Oh, just come to this apartment. And then there's a freaking head in the fridge. And you uncovered all. Oh, my and God. And then they know at that point for sure that all these Polaroids are real. Yeah. Are real. Those are people oh, yeah, that are dead. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good evidence. That's. They're dead. Jesus. They're probably in the fridge. That is like, <gasps> man, that changed these people's, those officers' lives forever. Forever. Just like the one night. Ugh, mm-hmm. I could not imagine. I mean, um, thank God for them because. Yeah, they stopped they, this they from did. continuing. But man, that would have to be tough to deal with. Probably be pissed at the other officers. Been like, you could have taken this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not That's, me. Yeah. A more detailed search of the apartment conducted by the Milwaukee Police Criminal Investigation Bureau revealed a total of four severed heads in Dahmer's kitchen. A total of seven skulls, some were painted, some bleached, were found in Dahmer's bedroom and inside a closet. In addition, investigators discovered collected blood drippings upon a tray at the bottom of Dahmer's refrigerator, plus two human hearts and a portion of an arm muscle each wrapped inside plastic bags upon the shelves. In Dahmer's freezer, investigators discovered an entire torso. How do you do that? I have no Plus idea. Plus a bag of human organs and flesh stuck to the ice at the bottom. Jesus. <sighs> Elsewhere in apartment 213, investigators discovered two entire skeletons, a pair of severed hands, two severed and preserved penises, a mummified scalp, and in this 57-gallon drum... Three further dismembered torsos dissolving in the acid solution. Well, could you imagine when you put, opened up that mm, lid? Oh, my. You'd, oh, you'd throw <laughs> up immediately, yeah. Yeah. A total of 74 Polaroid pictures detailing the dismemberment of Dahmer's victims were found. In reference to the recovery of body parts and artifacts at 924 North 25th Street, the chief medical examiner later stated, it was more like dismantling someone's museum than an actual crime scene. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's a uh, pretty... If he's saying that, because he sees this stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like... Uh, it's big. The sheer volume of... Oh, man, that's hard to wrap your head around. Mm-hmm. Beginning in the early hours of July 23rd, 1991, Dahmer was questioned by Detective Patrick Kennedy about the murders he had committed and the evidence found at his apartment. Over the following two weeks, Kennedy and later Detective Patrick Murphy conducted numerous interviews with Dahmer, which, when combined, totaled over 60 hours. Dahmer waived his right to have a lawyer present throughout his interrogations, adding he wished to confess all he had and created this horror, and it only makes sense I do everything to put an end to it. Well, at least he's rational at this point. Yeah, I guess. He's stuck. Yeah, I mean... He, knows if he, yeah, if. he readily admitted to having murdered 16 young men in Wisconsin since 1987, with one further victim, Stephen Hicks, killed in Ohio back in 1978. Ugh, man. Yeah. Most of, Dahmer's, most of Dahmer's victims had been rendered unconscious prior to their murder, although some had died as a result of having acid or boiling water injected into their brain. As he had no memory of the murder of Toomey, he was unsure whether he was unconscious or beaten to death. Um, 
Although he did concede, it was possible that viewing the exposed chest of Toomey while in a drunken, drunken stupor may have led him to successfully attempt to tear Toomey's heart from his chest. Mm. Jesus. Almost all the murders uh, Dahmer committed after moving into the Oxford apartments had involved a ritual of posing the victim's bodies in suggestive positions, typically with the chest thrust up outwards prior to dismemberment. Dahmer readily admitted to engaging in necrophilia with several of his victims' bodies, including performing sexual acts as he dismembered their bodies in his bathtub. Having noted that much of the blood pooled inside his victim's chest after death, Dahmer first removed their internal organs, then suspended the torso so the blood could drain into his bathtub. Before dicing any organs, he did not wish to retain uh, and paring the, bless, or the flesh from the body. The bones he wished to dispose of were pulverized or acidified with Soilex and bleach solutions used, in the aid, um, used to aid in the preservation of the skeletons and skulls he wished to keep. In addition, Dahmer confessed to having consumed the hearts, livers, biceps, and portions of thighs of several victims killed within the previous year. Yeah. Ew. Oh, my God. Describing the increase in his rate of killing in the two months prior to his arrest, Dahmer stated he'd been completely swept along with his compulsion to kill, adding it was an incessant and never-ending desire to be with someone at whatever cost. Someone good-looking, really nice-looking. It just filled my thoughts all day long. When asked as to why he had preserved a total of seven skulls and the entire skeleton of two victims, Dahmer stated he had been in the process of constructing a private altar of his victims, uh, of his victims' skulls, which had intended to be displayed on the black table located in the living room and upon which he had photographed the bodies of many of his victims. Jesus. The display of skulls was to be adorned at each side with the complete skeleton of Miller and Lacey. The four severed heads found in his kitchen were to be removed of all the flesh and used in his altar, as was the skull of at least one future victim. Incense sticks were to be placed at each end of the black table, above which Dahmer intended to place a large blue lamp with extending blue globe lights. The entire construction was to be placed before a window covered with a black opaque shower curtain in front of which Dahmer intended to sit in a black leather chair. When asked in November 18, 1991 interview who the altar was dedicated to, Dahmer replied, myself. It was a place where I could feel at home. He further described his intended altar as a place for meditation from where he believed he could draw a sense of power, adding, if this had happened six months later, that's what they would have found. Wow. So he was going to make this thing. Oh, man. On July 25th, 1991, Dharma was charged with four counts of first-degree murder. By August 22nd, he had been charged with 11 more murders committed in Wisconsin. On September 14th, investigators in Ohio, having uncovered hundreds of bone fragments in uh, woodland behind the address of or in which Dahmer had confessed to killing his first victim, formally identified two molars and a vertebra with x-rays of Hicks. Um, three days later, Dahmer was charged, with, or charged by authorities in Ohio with Hicks' murder. Dahmer was not charged with the attempted murder of Edwards, nor the murder of Toomey. He was not charged with Toomey's murder because Milwaukee County District Attorney only brought charges where murder could be proven beyond a reasonable doubt, and Dahmer's or Dahmer had no memory of actually committing this particular murder, for which no physical evidence of the crime existed. 
At a scheduled preliminary hearing on January 13th, 1992, Dahmer pleaded guilty uh, but insane to 15 counts of murder. Wow. Dahmer's trial began on January 30th, 1992. He was tried in Milwaukee for 15 counts of first-degree murder before Judge Lawrence Graham. By pleading guilty on January 13th to the charges brought against him, Dahmer had waived his rights to the initial trial to establish guilt. The issue debated by opposing counsel at Dahmer's, Dahmer's trial, I can't talk, was to determine whether he suffered from either a mental or a personality disorder. The prosecution claimed that any disorder did not deprive Dahmer of the ability to appreciate the criminality of his conduct or to deprive him of the ability to resist his impulses. The defense arguing that Dahmer suffered from a mental disease and was driven by obsessions and impulses he was unable to control. I mean, duh. Yeah, it's, that's obvious. obvious. Yeah, that's obvious. But still, it's not right. Yeah, that doesn't make it okay. Ugh. Defense experts argued that Dahmer was insane due to his necrophilic drive, his compulsion to have sexual encounters with corpses. Uh, defense expert Dr. Fred Berlin testified that Dahmer was unable to conform his conduct at the time that he had committed the crimes because he was suffering with paraphilia, or more specifically, necrophilia. Dr. Judith Becker, a professor of psychiatry and psychology, was the second expert witness for the defense. Becker also diagnosed Dahmer with necrophilia. The final defense expert to testify, forensic psychiatrist Dr. Carl Wallstrom, diagnosed Dahmer with necrophilia, borderline personality disorder, schizotypal personality disorder, personality disorder, alcohol dependence, and a psychotic disorder. Mm -hmm. The prosecution rejected the defense argument that Dahmer was insane. Forensic psychiatrist Dr. Philip Resnick testified that Dahmer did not suffer from primary necrophilia because he referred, or preferred live sexual partners as evidenced by his efforts to create unresistant, submissive sexual partners devoid of rational thought and to whose needs he did not have to cater. Another prosecution expert to testify, Dr. Fred Fostel, testified to his belief that Dahmer was without mental disease or defect at the time he committed the murders. He described Dahmer as calculating and or as a calculating and cunning individual, able to di differentiate between right and wrong, with the ability to control his actions. Although Fostel did state his belief that Dahmer suffered from paraphilia, his conclusion that Dahmer was a, not a sadist. I mean, he's right because he, he's like he knows what he's doing. Oh yeah, he's not. He doesn't like have like bursts of insanity. No, he's crazy all the time. He, he like yeah, he knows. He's like actively doing this mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. The final witness to appear for the prosecution, forensic psychiatrist Park Dietz, began his testimony on February twelfth. Dietz testified that he did not believe Dahmer to be suffering from any mental disease or defect at the time that he committed the crimes stating that Dahmer went to great lengths to be alone with the victims and to have no witnesses. He explained that there was ample evidence that Dahmer prepared in advance for each murder, therefore his crimes were not impulsive. Although Dietz did, did concede any acquisition of a paraphilia was not a matter of personal choice, he also stated his belief that Dahmer's habit of becoming intoxicated prior to committing each of the murders um, was significant, stating if he had had a compulsion to kill, he would not have to drink alcohol. He'd have to drink alcohol to overcome his inhibition to do the crime, which he would rather not do. And he's right. He had 
tons. He had to have a how how big of a drum to freaking yeah you know get the flesh off these people and to yeah it's pulverize themselves yeah. and it just yeah. Um, Dietz noted that Dahmer strongly identified with evil and corrupt characters from both The Exorcist Three and The Return of the Jedi, particularly the level of power held by these characters. Expounding on the significance of these movies on Dahmer's psyche and many of the murders committed at the Oxford Apartments, Dietz explained that Dahmer occasionally viewed scenes of these films before searching for a victim. Dietz diagnosed Dahmer with sub, uh, substance use disorder, paraphilia, and schizotypal personality disorder. Two uh, court-appointed mental health professionals testifying independently of the prosecution or defense were forensic psychiatrist George Palermo and clinical psychologist Samuel Friedman. Palermo stated that the murders were a result of a pent-up aggression with himself. Um, He killed those men because he wanted to kill the source of his homosexual attraction to them. And killing them, he killed what he hated in himself. Palermo concluded that Dahmer was a sexual sadist with antisocial personality disorder, but legally sane. I don't know if I believe all that. No. Because the one guy, the last guy, was heterosexual. Yeah. And so he was just... He just, I think, maybe at the beginning, and then he just got obsessed with killing. And then just didn't care. Yeah, he just was like anybody. Yeah. Friedman testified that it was a longing for companionship that caused Dahmer to kill. This, I believe more. Yeah. Mr. Dahmer is not psychotic. He spoke kindly of Dahmer, describing him as an amiable, pleasant to be with, courteous, with a sense of humor, conventionally handsome, and charming in manner. He was and still is a bright young man. He diagnosed Dahmer with a personality disorder not otherwise specified, featuring borderline obsessive-compulsive and sadistic traits. That's what I think it is. I think it's more he was just, he was abandoned pretty much since he was born with his mom being a hot mess mm-hmm. and then his parents getting divorced and just leaving him in the house. So, I mean, I, I, I think that that's where it was. It was his, he didn't want to be alone. And that was the only way to make sure that nobody left him was to kill them. Or to put stuff in their head to make them, or Stay. like sleeping pills. Yeah. So yeah. They, yeah. Ugh. The trial lasted two weeks. On February 14th, both counsels delivered their closing arguments to the jury. Each counsel um, was allowed to speak for two hours. Defense attorney Gerald Boyle argued first, repeatedly harking to the testimony of the mental health professionals, almost all of whom had agreed Dahmer was suffering from a mental disease. Boyle argued that Dahmer's compulsive killings had been a result of a sickness he discovered, not chose. Boyle portrayed Dahmer as a desperately lonely and profoundly sick individual, so out of control he could not conform his conduct anymore. So it just came out. But it's been coming out for a long time. Yeah, it's since the 70s. Yeah. And it's the 90s now. So it's not a new thing. Uh, Following the defense counsel's 75-minute closing argument, Michael McMahon delivered his closing argument for the prosecution, describing Dahmer as a sane man in full control of his actions, who simply strove to avoid detection. McCain argued that the act of murder was committed in hostility, anger, resentment, frustration, or hatred, and that the 15 victims for whose murder he was tried died merely to afford Dahmer a period of sexual pleasure. McCain uh, further argued that by pleading guilty but insane to the charges, 
Dahmer was seeking to escape responsibility for his crimes, which is true. Yeah. Yeah. On February 15th, the court recon- reconvened to hear the verdict. Dahmer was ruled to be sane and not suffering from a mental disorder at the time of each of the 15 murders for which he was tried. Although each count, two of the two or two of the 12 jurors signified their dissent. On the first two counts, Dahmer was sentenced to life imprisonment plus 10 years, and the remaining 13 counts carrying a mandatory sentence of life imprisonment plus 70 years. The death penalty was not an option for Judge Graham to consider at the penalty phase, as Wisconsin had abolished capital punishment in 1853. Mm. Upon hearing of Dahmer's sentencing, his father Lionel and stepmother Sherry requested to be allowed a 10-minute private meeting with their son before he was transferred to the Columbia Correctional Institute in Portage to begin his sentence. This request was granted, and the trio exchanged hugs and well wishes before Dahmer was escorted away. So I was watching, and I can't remember what it was, so I I can't tell you, but (laughs) I was watching something, I believe, on Investigation Discovery about Dahmer, Mm -hmm. and his father was actually on there. And was talking about this stuff. And it seems like his father is like really upset about his part and not noticing that this was a problem. Mm-hmm. So I feel really bad. Like my heart goes out to them because I really think Lionel tried. But I, I don't know, you know, his. I think it was a lot of things yeah. that contributed to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't just one factor. Right. Um, three months after his conviction in Milwaukee, Dahmer was extradited to Ohio to be tried for the murder of his first victim, Stephen Hicks. In a court hearing lasting 45 minutes, Dahmer again pleaded guilty to the charges and was sentenced to a 16th term of life, life imprisonment on May 1st, 1992. So everybody got some justice then. Yep. Upon sentencing, Dahmer was transferred to the Columbia Correctional Institution for the first year of his incarceration. Dahmer was placed in solitary confinement due to concerns for his physical safety Uh, should he come into contact with fellow inmates. With Dahmer's consent, after one year in solitary confinement, he was transferred to a less secure unit where he was assigned a two-hour daily work detail, cleaning the toilet block. Shortly after completing his lengthy confessions in 1991, Dahmer had requested to Detective Murphy that he be given a copy of the Bible. This request was granted, and Dahmer gradually devoted himself to Christianity and became a born-again Christian. Um, on his father's urging, he also read creationist books from the Institution of or for Creation Research. In May 1994, Dahmer was baptized by Roy Ratcliffe, a minister in the Church of Christ and graduate of Oklahoma Christian University in the prison whirlpool. Following his baptism, Ratcliffe visited Dahmer on a weekly basis up until November 1994. Dahmer and Ratcliffe regularly... That's such a tough word. Regularly. Regularly. Nailed it. Discussed the prospect of death, and Dahmer questioned whether he was sinning against God by continuing to live. Referring to his crimes in 1994 interview with Stone Phillips on Dateline NBC, Dahmer had stated, If a person doesn't think that there is a God to be accountable to, then what's the point of trying to modify your behavior to keep it within acceptable ranges? That's how I thought, anyway. Uh, Because you don't want to be a dick. (laughs) Yeah. That's number one rule. (laughs) Yeah. That's the short version of the Bible. Don't be a dick. Don't be nice. Yeah. Be nice. Don't kill no one. Yeah. Pretty basic stuff. Treat people how you would like to be treated. Mm -hmm. 
not very tough. No, pretty plain and simple. Yeah. Do you want to have a hole drilled in your skull? No, then you probably shouldn't do it. You know? Wouldn't feel good. No. In July 1994, a fellow inmate, Osvaldo Deruthi, attempted to slash Dahmer's throat with a razor embedded in a toothbrush as Dahmer returned to his cell from Ratcliffe's weekly church service conducted in the prison chapel. Dahmer received superficial wounds but was not seriously hurt in this incident. According to Dahmer's family, he had long been ready to die and accepted any punishment which he might endure in prison. In addition to his father and stepmother maintaining regular contact, Dahmer's mother, Joyce, also maintained regular contact with her son, although prior to his arrest, the two had not seen each other since Christmas of 1983. Wow, that's a long time. That is a long time. Ten years almost. Well, more than ten years now. Yeah. Um, Joyce related... Or, yeah, related that in her weekly phone calls, whenever she expressed concern for her son's well-being, Dahmer responded with the comments to the effect of, it doesn't matter, Mom. I don't care if something happens to me. And he's actually been lucky to be alive this long because essentially he's a child molester. Yeah, because some of the victims were, yeah, one was 14 and 17. Yeah. On the morning of November 28, 1994, Dahmer left his cell to conduct his assigned work detail. Accompanying him were two fellow inmates, Jesse Anderson and Christopher Scarver. The trio were left unsupervised in the showers of the prison gym for approximately 20 minutes. At 8.10, Dahmer was discovered on the floor of the bathrooms of the gym, suffering from an extreme head and facial wound. He had been severely bludgeoned about the head and face with a 20-inch metal bar. His head had also been repeatedly struck against the wall in the assault. Although Dahmer was still alive and was rushed to a nearby hospital, he was pronounced dead one hour later. Anderson had also been beaten with the same instrument and died two days later from his wounds. Wow. Um, Scarver, who was serving a life sentence for a murder committed in 1990, informed authorities he had first attacked Dahmer with a metal bar as he was cleaning a staff locker room before attacking Anderson as he cleaned an inmate locker room. According to Scarver, Dahmer did not yell or make any noise as he attacked him. Immediately after attacking both men, Scarver, who thought to be schizophrenic, returned to his cell and informed a prison guard, God God told me to do it. Jesse Anderson and Jeffrey Dahmer are dead. Scarver was adamant he had not planned the attacks in advance, although he later divulged to investigators he had concealed the 20-inch iron bar used to kill both men in his clothing shortly before the killing. That's pretty uh, 20-inch iron bar. Yeah, that's pretty big. Must have been in his pant leg or something. Yeah, it must have been. It must have been holding it, yeah. Or up sleeve or something. Upon learning of his death, uh, Dahmer's mother, Joyce, responded angrily to the media, quoting, Now is everybody happy? Now that he's bludgeoned to death, is that good enough for everyone? The response of the families of Dahmer's victims was mixed, although it appears most uh, were pleased with his death. The district attorney who prosecuted Dahmer cautioned against turning Scarver into a folk hero, noting that Dahmer's death was still a murder. On May 15, 1995, Scarver was sentenced to two additional terms of life imprisonment for the murders of Dahmer and Anderson. And I don't know um, if you've watched any of the... um, What is it? Whenever he was on trial... Mm-mm. I can't remember who whose family member it was, so I'm sorry in advance. But if you Google anything like Jeffrey Dahmer trial, mm-hmm. there's a lady who is just like so emotional. Is like, I hate you, Jeffrey, and everything that you know. Just like because 
one of her loved ones is no longer here because of him. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, I understand where Joyce, being a mother of Jeffrey, is upset that he's gone. But what do you expect yeah, I mean, people to not be happy that at least he's not yeah. enjoying life in prison while there are loved ones in the ground or wherever they are in the sewer? Yeah. Although Scarver had confessed in 1994 to having concealed the weapon used to kill Dahmer and Anderson and his clothing on the morning of the murders, in 2015 he publicly stated the murders of Dahmer and Anderson had resulted from a confrontation in which one of the two men had poked him in the back as the three had headed to begin their assigned work detail. In this renewed account of events, Scarver claimed that the two had laughed at him where he had, or when he had turned around in response before Dahmer and Anderson each walked into separate rooms to begin their cleaning duty, with Scarver following Dahmer toward the staff locker room. So basically, <laughs> so he poked he, him, and then he killed him. Yeah. That's correct. I would never last in prison. No, I'm not poking nobody. I'm not looking at nobody. Uh-uh. Staring at my just... shoes. <laughs> no fucking way. Scarver alleges that immediately before murdering Dahmer, he had cornered him, presenting a newspaper article detailing Dahmer's crimes and demanded that Dahmer answer whether the account was true. Scarver further alleged that he had been revolted by Dahmer's crimes and that Dahmer had been openly unrepentant, that Dahmer taunted prison employees and fellow inmates by shaping his prison food into imitations of severed limbs, complete with ketchup to simulate blood spattering, and that prison staff, knowing of Scarver's hatred of Dahmer, had deliberately left the two men unsupervised so he could kill him. The whole 20-minute unsupervised thing, that is a little fishy. That is weird, yeah. That shouldn't happen, I feel. Furthermore, Scarver stated that Dahmer was so disliked by fellow inmates that he required a personal escort of at least one guard whenever he was out of his cell to prevent inmates from attacking him. Which, again, the whole child killer molestation thing, that's what happens. Yep. Dahmer stated in his will that he wished for no services to be conducted and that he wished to be cremated. In September 1955, Dahmer's body was... 1955. Wow. Now, reading is tough. 1995, I'm sorry. (laughs) Just 40 years off. 1995. Uh, Dahmer's body was cremated and his ashes divided between his parents. That's sad. Why? That's just a sad visual for me that his ashes were divided between his parents. Hmm. Yeah. Um, On August 5th, 1991... As the nature and scale of Dahmer's crimes initially came to light, a candlelight vigil uh, to celebrate and heal the Milwaukee community was attended by more than 400 people. Present at the vigil were community leaders, gay rights activists, and family members of several of Dahmer's victims. Organizers stated that the purpose of the vigil was to enable Milwaukeeans to share their feelings of pain and anger over what happened. wonder if those two officers that didn't do shit attended. Whatever. It's weird that they release their names. Of the police officers? Yeah, because you think they would be like... Hush, hush. Yeah, you think they would get like hate, like mail. Oh, I'm sure they did. Yeah, I'm surprised they released their names like that. The Oxford Apartments at 924 North 25th Street, where Dahmer had killed 12 of his victims, were demolished in November 1992. The site is now a vacant lot. Alternative plans to convert the site into either a memorial garden, a playground, or to reconstruct new housing has failed to materialize. That's been a long time. Could you imagine Could you imagine being like living in that building when that happened? So 
Yeah, I can because I watched a documentary. Oh, my. Where, okay, so here's a quote that I know off the top of my head from one of the people that lived near him. Said, Jeffrey never went to the grocery store, but he was always cooking something. Oh, no. Ew. I just want you all to enjoy that with me because that's never going to leave my mind. Yikes. Yeah, and they all thought he was, like, super nice man. Mm -hmm. Like, he was just Jeffrey. Good old Jeff. That's so... Yikes. Mm, 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 mm. Um, Dahmer's estate was awarded to the families of his 11 11 of his victims who had sued for damages. In 1996, Thomas Jacobson, a lawyer representing eight of the families, announced a planned auction of Dahmer's estate. Although victims... Victims' relatives stated that the motivation was not greed. The announcement sparked controversy. A civic group, Milwaukee Civic Pride, was quickly established in an effort to raise funds to purchase and destroy Dahmer's possessions. The group pledged $407,225, including a $100,000 gift by Milwaukee real estate developer Joseph Zilber for purchase of Dahmer's estate. Five of the eight families represented by Jacobson agreed to the terms, and Dahmer's possessions were subsequently destroyed and buried in an undisclosed Illinois landfill. Probably for the better. As we said in our previous episodes, people tend to memorialize even, like, crazy people. I mean, it's just a a piece of history. Yeah. His possessions, I mean. But yeah, why would you want them? Because they'd be in a museum one day. Who, why? Who needs to see Jeffrey Dahmer's things? Uh, Give me a good reason. Me. Why? Just because it's history. Why yeah. are we talking about them? Yeah, but it's not good. No, it's not good. Half the shit we talk about. Yeah, but not if you good. were, if you were a family member of like, a victim, I would not be happy with it. I would want to. I would want to burn it all. Exactly. Uh, I'm not saying that <laughs> it's wrong. I can understand. I understand. Yes, I would want the same. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. But I understand that why do we have anything from the Holocaust or Nazis? Why do I always go back to Nazis when I'm stuck in a corner? I don't know. It's history. You do. That's weird. Lionel Dahmer is retired and now lives with his second wife, Sherry. Both have refused to change their surname and have professed their love of Dahmer in spite of his crimes. In 1994, Lionel published a book, A Father's Story, and donated a portion of the proceeds from his book to the victim's families. That's nice. Mm -hmm. He didn't have to do that. Most of the family showed support for Lionel and Sherry, although three families subsequently sued Lionel, two for using their name in the book without obtaining prior consent, and a third family, that of Stephen Hicks, filing a wrongful death suit against Lionel, Sherry, and former wife Joyce, citing parental negligence at the cause. Oh, not wrong. Yeah, true. Not wrong. Joyce Flint died of cancer in November 2000. Prior to her death, she attempted suicide on at least one occasion. Dahmer's younger brother, David, changed his surname and lives in anonymity. That's what I'd do, Yeah, probably probably for the best. I mean, luckily, though, I don't think David had much time with Dahmer, you know? Yeah. Because they left him and moved out, but... Well, I hope your heart's as heavy as ours. This was a rough one. That was a real rough one. It's like, again, like it's it doesn't seem real. No. It's like, uh, I don't even know what, it's like, it's almost like fiction, but it's almost too gross to be fiction. 
Well, you wouldn't. It wouldn't be believable if it was fiction. Exactly. You'd that's what like, I mean. This that's what is I mean. Bullshit. Yeah, it's like this is too much. If it's yeah. fiction, ugh. He's doing it again. Yeah. Yeah. Like his fish, like really fish. Oh, his tropical fish. I still. If anybody knows what happened to his tropical fish, let me know because I'm vested in this. But it's terrible. It's terrible that it went on for that long, that all those people, um, you know, and Dahmer himself is kind of a tragedy in his loneliness and feeling like he was abandoned. So no one wins here. No. No one wins. Not the families, not his family, not their families, not Dahmer, nobody. Nobody wins. It's just terrible. It is. This whole thing is like, Jesus. So, like the more you read, the worse it gets. Yeah. It's just, just... So we hope you all enjoyed it. Yeah, I hope you're having a great I day. I mean, as, guess, <laughs> as, as much as you can. You knew what you were getting into as soon oh. as you clicked the button. Yikes. I've never heard of so many decapitations, mm. pulverizing of bones. Yeah. I'm going to need something happy here soon. Yeah. I need a happy topic. Yeah. A lot of blood and guts and gore. After Halloween. Yeah. November, it's about to get real, real happy. We talk about, like, the Indians. That's not happy either. No, it isn't. We need to talk about like <laughs> what can we talk something about? Something fun. I don't know. Shit. Oh, I need something like talk fun. about just sunshine and rainbows. Maybe. Maybe. How about them? This okay. is a good time. We could do that. Okay. All right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. This Friday's Patreon episode is on Jeffrey Dahmer's quotes, quotes about Jeffrey Dahmer, quotes of Jeffrey Dahmer, um, and some more backstory to. The already shit show we just told you about. Yep. Okay? So have a good week, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.